Somebody's got to be at the bottom. Somebody's got to be the bottom. You're right. <laughs> From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and with me tonight in the studio is my solo co-host, Helen Stewart. Hello. Yes, we are here alone, Helen, because Anne left us to go to Florida to do the Star Wars 5K run. Florida or California? Uh, Florida this time. Oh, okay. It was, Cali- it was California. It was California before. That oh, was last man. week. She's Can't a, keep it straight. She's hopping all over the place. Yes, she is. She's a world traveler, or at least <laughs> USA traveler, I guess. For our new listeners, this is going to be our format for this episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie that we'll be reviewing and rating tonight. Next, Helen is going to be telling us about our recommended drink pairing. Then we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch. Uh, then we're going to play the trailer and review the movie in roughly chronological order. After that, Helen's going to take us through our kill, chill, and thrill section, which I know she is just ecstatic about for this movie. (laughs) And finally, we're going to wrap things up with our ratings. So tonight, we are going to review the 2018 American supernatural horror film Mara. Directed by Clive Tonge in his feature-length debut and written by Jonathan Frank, the film stars Olga Kurylenko as a criminal psychologist, Kate Fuller, who investigates the murder of a man and is haunted by a demon who kills people in their sleep. The film also stars Craig Conway and Rosie Fellner. Tonj and Frank based the film's story on conditions in mythology surrounding both sleep paralysis and Borgata syndrome. The film was released by Sabin Films on September 7th, 2018. Okay, so for tonight's drink pairing, we decided to go with a Rikus Riesling because... Mara is a German-type entity, and Riesling, as we all know, is German wine. That's However, true. this one is from Romania, so I kind of phoned it in. Anne's not here, so I didn't have anybody keeping me in line. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's a, it's a drink. That's good enough. Um, I'm going to... Uh, you want to take a drink? Sure. Let's take a drink. Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> or whatever they say in German or Romania. It's not as sweet as I would like, but it's okay. It's true. It's not, it's not totally sweet, but... <laughs> That's okay. These are horror movies. We, we can handle it. All right. Well, let's go through our expectations going into the watch. Uh, you picked the movie, Helen. So why don't you tell us your expectations? I did. So I've been making a list of all of the movies that I've been kind of Twitter, Twitter trolling. Twitter trolling. I don't even know if that's really a phrase, but we're going to go with it. We'll go with it. And this was one that had popped up and I saw that it was like free streaming on Netflix. So I was excited to watch it at the time. yeah well you know what i was excited as well so uh full disclosure we originally had slated a different movie for this week but and being gone we kind of re-rigged what we were gonna watch because we were gonna go with a lighter funnier movie but then we figured we wanted the three of us to kind of be able to riff off of each other and make it entertaining so we kind of reoriented back to something a little scarier or traditional supernatural and I was excited about seeing this movie when we originally were contemplating it, and then I was kind of like, oh, man, we're not going to get to watch it, but then when it came back around, I was excited again. I I thought the idea of the sort of criminal psychologist uh, and the sort of cop procedural elements I thought were going to be pretty cool, 
thought were going to be pretty cool, but <laughs> moving on. Is it trailer time? I think it's trailer time. Let's, All right. let's light it up. I'm so not as good as Anne, but we're going to do it. Hold on for... Dear life? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. And it's trailer time. She's killed before. She marks you first, and then she kills you. The film opens when Sophie is awakened by her mother, Helena, screaming supposedly after murdering her husband. Kate Fuller, a criminal psychologist, is called to the scene of the crime by Detective McCarthy to diagnose Helena and deduce whether to commit her to a mental institute. Upon interviewing both Helena and Sophie, both insist Mr. Winsfield was killed by the sleep demon Mara. Despite promises to Sophie that she would not take Helena away if Sophie talked, Kate signs to have her committed, both to their despair and Kate's guilt. Okay, so the movie starts off with a little, like, fact, which I thought was interesting, that 40% of people suffer from sleep paralysis, and two-thirds of those describe it as a demonic kind of possession-type thing, where they see either a demon in the room or the demons on top of their chest. So I thought that that was interesting, and of course it sets, like, the kind of the feeling for what the film is going to be. Yeah, the tone. Yeah. Then it shoots over to the little girl. And she hears some sort of strange noises and then wakes up and goes to look for her mother, right? Like, yep. oh, mm-hmm. I guess the intro had those weird pictures and you had no idea what was going on with Yeah, those. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it shoots the little girl. And she's walking down the hallway and you can hear something very terrible is going on in this bedroom. And I'm like, oh, really? I don't know. How did you feel about yeah, that? No, I, I mean, I agree. Like, as soon as it went to the kid, I was like, oh, gosh, here's kids. I um, After having kids, I have a hard time with kids in horror movies. Yeah. Uh, when they're they're used in – exploitive isn't the right term, but in exploitive ways. So, um, yeah, I was like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, and then 
yeah, I mean, the door opens and the mother's like, don't look or whatever. And you don't really see what's going on. It's kind of very ring-esque, actually, the way kind of ring sh- shied away from showing exactly what what the, the end result of Samara was, you know, killing her was at the beginning. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, that, that just happened. I guess the guy's dead. And then it goes to, um, was it Kate Fuller? Uh, is she like waking up in her apartment and getting ready? Is that that the deal? Yeah, like, she's making like this a smoothie, which and shows her abdomen. I guess yeah, if you, you know, have a fit actress. I, you're like, look I at noticed this. that. Like yeah. it was the tummy. I was like, there's there's that flat tummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she obviously has not had children. I'm just kidding. I don't even look that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know either. But her apartment plays like a major, semi major role in this movie to me. Like it's one of the few set pieces they come back to over and over again. And who lives in places like this? I mean, maybe they do, but there's so many fans. I didn't understand what was going yeah. on with the fans. And they're all on. And she's running, you know, after she gets her smoothie and stuff. And she's running. And there's um there's um Spanish moss in the trees, which I'm assuming means she's in the south. We learn later on that it's November 12th. And I guess she's supposed to be in Florida. Where is this supposed to take place? I don't really know where it's supposed to take place. <laughs> I didn't even notice any of that. Yeah, I noticed all that because I started to start to pick the movie cause, mm. apart a little bit because it kind of got to me. But yeah, so I was trying to figure all that out in the fans and it being November. But anyway, I guess maybe they were in Florida. Florida, I guess I could accept that. Yeah, I was really confused with who she was, the psychiatrist at the beginning, because they didn't explain anything, right? So you have this grown woman waking up and I thought, is it the girl? Mm-hmm. grown up like you didn't know no. if there was a time difference or anything and then later on you realize that's not the girl growing no up. you're absolutely right in fact i thought that and i was i was already prejudging the movie by being <laughs> like if this is the future then that little girl that didn't look like the past enough to me like i was already like on the verge of slamming the movie for something that wasn't even true <laughs> i feel bad so i'm going to admit that when this woman the actress was olga She's an, a model, right? And this is apparently her kind of debut movie or horror movie, at least. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on her about her acting abilities in in this podcast, and I'm gonna feel bad about it a little bit. Uh, but like, I feel like she maybe couldn't take the weight of the movie, and she needed to. Her character really needed to because it was really her for most of the movie. There aren't that many characters in this movie. And she just basically had, like, she either looked scared and, in, in, like, I don't want to say incompetently scared, but, like, kind of <laughs> incompetently scared, like, scared and didn't know what to do and kind of, I don't know. For a protagonist, it was difficult for me to follow. She was scared because she was acting. Yeah, maybe. because she was scared yeah. because of Mara. <laughs> yeah, 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 she was scared because she was behind the camera. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, she's probably, she's great. I'm sure she's a good person. I'm sure she's a fine model. I'm sure she could be a fine actress. I, you know, it's just in this movie right here. And I, and I don't fault just her. I fault the the um, the um writer as well. I didn't think the script did her much good. I mean, you think about, you see her when she wakes up at the beginning. And, you know, she's running. And... At first, like she gets a phone call and she answered it, answers it, and she answers it in a way that is warm. Like you're like, okay, she's talking to somebody she knows, but we don't really know who that person is, or if it's the police, uh, the detective that calls her, and that's she doesn't have that relationship with them. He calls her a rookie, you know. She's, I, I don't know if this is her first case. It certainly seems like it might be, but right. she literally has no connection to anybody in this movie. I should say beyond the people in this movie that she meets, she has no family. A boyfriend, girlfriend, or kids, or people she works with, 
right? She comes out of nowhere, basically, and she interacts with the detective. She interacts with the people in the they're in the case and the, the sleep doctor or whatever. And it's basically it. And I felt like it was so disconnected to anything. Right. I guess I would think that if you were a psychiatrist being called into a, a murder type scenario, that they would have those types of people on staff. Not necessarily you're getting called as like outside, like a contract. It, it must seem like she. But where was her office? Yeah, you know, exactly. I felt like you you're carrying around your tablet. And that was pretty much what her well, documentation I, I, was. I guess she's living the dream, the paperless office, because that's all she had was her tablet. And her studio apartment, which... In her studio apartment, with all yeah. those fans with the things running, and the cat, the little cat guy, you yeah. know, whatever. So I was also distracted when she was running by the thigh gap. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. There's a there's a lot. She, I mean, she's a model, obviously, but she, she has like... Her legs are so sculpted. When she was running, I was distracted by the legs. She was very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's yes, she's she's hot. She's beautiful. But it wasn't even like the attractiveness that sort of was distracting me. It was like, you know how people, like models, their bodies don't look like normal people sometimes. When you right. look at them, like, you're like, is that, do people look like that? I don't know. Like normal people don't seem to look, I mean, well, I guess if you're listening from California and Hollywood, maybe they all look like that. But but here in good old outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> we don't look like that. We, we don't tend to look like that. So um, She had very good running form, too. No, she did. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> kudos on her physicality, yes. but uh, but not 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 so much on, on her acting. Because, I mean, going to her professional um, professionalism and uh, how good she is at her job, she basically commits the number one, like, rule – breaks the number one rule – that even anybody who's seen any movies about cops knows you don't do, which you do not promise right. the people anything. Like she promises this little girl that she's not going to take her mother away, and she cannot make that promise. You have to know you can't make that promise, and I can't understand. I was trying to understand when I was watching it whether or not she pauses long enough that we're supposed to understand that she knows that she's lying to the little girl. Or she's just incompetent and tells her, I promise you, you're not going to lose your mommy. And then like three scenes later, she signs the, the paperwork to take her mom away. Yeah, I, I felt that. Well, first of all, I was impressed that she was able to fit underneath the bed because she is a grown woman. This is where this conversation is taking place. Well, I mean, her head is the biggest part of her. So <laughs> I know. I was, And I then mean, I had talking the context how what her frame was. But I thought that she was kind of evaluating it and, and then – hesitated and just went with the decision to lie because of her past which i don't know if you find out that later i can't remember exactly you do you find out her. something in there about her mom being right. sick you don't know yeah. she was schizophrenic right but you know that she was sick there's a weird way that this movie i think it's the way the script is written the way the dialogue is written that it doesn't feel like people are having conversations more than it does they are talking at the screen mm -hmm. giving you information like she does a lot of especially in the beginning i think towards the the last third of the movie as you get into sort of the actual plot moving and mara kind of haunting her and all this other stuff you i think it, that breaks down a little bit because it's like plot and you're like they're they're talking to each other to get things done but like in the beginning there's a lot of her basically sort of talking at a character but really direct like talking to you giving you information and i i don't know i'm not a script writer you know whatever didn't like that i didn't i i think that other movies obviously movies have to convey information to people right but i feel like they do it more organically like people are having a conversation like there's a scene with characters talking than it is like just her 
So I th- babbling. think that I felt her acting was better in the beginning, maybe because she was not talking to another person. <laughs> that okay. you didn't have to strive to have a real, like, whatever relationship she was supposed to have with the person didn't have to be real because she was talking at a camera. So it didn't bother me so much in the beginning. But gotcha. once she started having the relationships with people towards the end, that's where I was like, wow, this girl cannot act. Yeah, I mean, she really only has the relationship with one character. Well, well, with the girl a little bit, but right. like mostly with the with Dougie, Dougie, the guy you're gonna yeah. it comes a little bit later. with the doctor. I think not, not that there's like a close relationship, but just the interactions with him. I just felt like, are they gonna have a love? In- I thought at one point they were gonna have a love interest. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the doctor. Yes. I, I agree. There's, there's the with doctor. the doctor. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so she she basically tells the little girl, like, hey, I'm not going to take your mom away. And then she takes the mom away. And that's, like, the sort of impetus for this guilt that she feels, which plays into the rest of the movie. Yes, that is true. Okay, let's move on. Later the next night, Kate experiences sleep paralysis and sees a figure walking in her apartment. When she regains mobility, she finds nothing. The next day, after finding a possible clue to what happened to Mr. Winsfield, Kate goes to speak to a man named Takahashi. Upon arrival at his house, she finds his decayed corpse killed in apparently the same manner as Mr. Winsfield. After calling it in, she tries to point out the similarities to the Winsfield case, as well as pushing to have the police investigate a man named Dougie, but McCarthy refuses, disbelieving the Mara legend. So I think what bothers me about this is that she kind of has this conversation with the mom, I guess, about the sleep paralysis in in the prison, I don't know. What no, you it's, call in that the part. it's in the psychiatric ward. Okay. Or, or, or is it? Or is it in the? Room? Is it in the interrogation yeah, room? I like can't remember. Yeah, that kind of setting because you're not really quite sure what's going on, and you know, there. I guess the mom is explaining. You know, my husband had these sleep paralysis issues, and he was going to like an AA type forum for it, and it was getting better. And then this Mara thing happened, and then then that night. <laughs> She gets sleep paralysis and no doesn't ever bring it up like, hey, this suddenly started happening to me now, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I expected them her past to have had sleep paralysis. Right. And I'm and I don't know whether that would have been better or worse, because it kind of would have been coincidental that she had it and now this plot things happening to her with this demon. But but like, yeah, she doesn't even say, like, wait a minute, I'm getting sleep paralysis now. Right. Yeah, it's just left completely unsaid. She just has it, and okay, we're cool, I guess. Right, and we're just gonna c- carry on. <laughs> carry on, but but I mean, there's no there's no characters for her to talk to about it either. Like, there's nobody right. for. I mean, she she talks to the police, uh, the t- the detective, which actually I feel like he is one of the two good actors in this movie. I liked him. Yeah, I, I thought he had some decent lines that were delivered somewhat organically, and maybe it's easier to write police, right? Just kind of like you're. I'm tired of this shit, you know, right. police guy or whatever. But I thought mostly he was competent comparatively. Competent as an actor, I guess. Yeah. Complete ass as a character. Oh, totally. sure. Yeah. But I mean, he, he <laughs> had, she has to have a foil, right? So it's right. kind of like that but sort I, of thing. I kind of felt like that dynamic was very, it's been so done. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. Well, I, I mean, this whole movie could be labeled under the it's so done. I mean, right. the whole movie is very formulaic. It's very... You know, there, there's nothing unique about this movie, I feel like, that other movies have done what this does better. Right. I did have to, I do have to say the Mara part was very well done. Okay, yep. You hear the creepy noises. Like, it's almost, 
you don't get a very good view of her in the beginning. Like there's a flash of like almost looking like a normal person when she's first paralyzed the first couple nights. And then you kind of get more of a picture of her later. But she wakes up, she hears these noises, she glances, I guess, over when she's finally able to start regaining her composure and then sees a figure kind of dash off. Um, so I, th- I thought that 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 started to play into like, okay, now we're getting a little bit more creepy because I didn't really think what happened with the dad was like novel or creepy to me at all no no i mean obviously they 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 slow roll you into into mara and all that and i I think that the focus on her hands once again very much like the ritual like there's a focus on the hands as something that you know makeup artists can do do convincingly and they look you know creepy and you know you don't have to focus on her face which might require cgi or anything like that which would kind of maybe look faker you know what i mean that's true so like i i like that whole thing and i don't know what who um portrays Mara, I don't know what actor or actress portrays Mara, but they do a good job. They're like super skinny and super spindly and right. super kind of gross looking. Sorry. But I'm sure <laughs> in her life I'm sure in her life they're lovely tall people. So then she she finds this clue of the Taka Takahashi. Taka Takahashi. Yep, Takahashi. That was some sort of thing on her tablet that she had taken pictures of. And then a piece of paper that she had randomly, right? No, no, yeah. So Put she, together. yeah. So she took a picture, I think, of uh, in the in the room in the house or whatever, right? She had taken some pictures, and one of it was the corner, but then the other, I think, was I don't know. She she turned it over. Right. Something was written on it. Was it, was it the drawing on it? Was the girl I think drawing, it was the drawing on it? Yeah. And she flips it over, and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. And then she, it's the scaling is perfect. She just matches it right up to her tablet picture. It's just like <laughs> the, the 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 paper's scaling is exactly correct, and it says Takahashi knows more. And then she goes to find Takahashi. Yeah. Well, the address too. It was very nice that they left the address there. Yeah, I mean, it was super nice, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, it does make sense to some extent, right? Like, it does make sense because later on you find out they were trying to investigate stuff on their own. But yeah, the Takahashi scene, like, drug on, I don't know, seemed to drag on a little too long for me. Like, her looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around. Um, I mean, the movie's only 98 minutes, but it certainly feels longer than 98 minutes to me. It was a very, very slow crawl of a movie. And when I had looked at reviews after watching it, they had kind of said it was like a sleepy pace. And then all of a sudden you get a little horror interspersed. So it wasn't very positive in the review in that sense. I just feel like, so you enter this house, knock on the door. He's not answering. It almost looked like somebody looked through the window when she first rolls up. So you were thinking somebody's hiding in there, but that doesn't, that doesn't pan out. It's just whatever, I guess the camera angle. She's walking through, then the flies come, and I'm like, you would she wouldn't have made the reaction for the smell when she did. She would have noticed it entering that house. Sure, yeah. yeah. It was only a week of decomposition, I think, right? Yep. So you're just kinda like, really? Like it, you should have called it in way before you well, pulled yeah, that and, sheet off. And and I don't think that you would have I don't think you go forward. Right. You smell death. And your natural reaction as a biological organism is to be like, yeah, I don't want to go towards that. <laughs> and and I don't think that you – like you have an avenue, which is you back out, you call the police and say, hey, I followed this clue here and it smells like there's a dead person in there. How about you come get it? Right. And I feel like if she's a psychiatrist working with the police, this is rule number one. Don't enter a crime scene. You I can smell it from a distance. I don't know. Is she is she working with the police? Like yeah. I said, I don't know exactly what her capacity is. I, I mean, and and yes, it's so weird. She's not connected to anything. Yes. 
Kate goes to visit Helena in the mental institution who explains how she and her husband knew Dougie from a sleep paralysis support group and begs Kate to let her see her daughter again, insisting she will die that night at the hands of Mara. As proof, she shows Kate a red mark in her left eye, explaining that Mara marks her victims as a sign that she will kill them. Kate decides to attend the sleep paralysis support group run by Dr. Ellis, where she encounters Dougie, who insists that Mara is real and will kill Saul, then removes Saul's sunglasses, revealing his eyes to be completely red before storming out. Kate tries to give chase, but loses him. Later that night, Saul goes to the church and commits suicide by immolating himself. Around the same time, Kate again awakens in sleep paralysis and again sees a figure, which vanishes as soon as she regains mobility. Soon after, McCarthy informs Kate of Saul's death, and they bring in Dougie, believing he is the killer, who again insists that Mara is real and refuses to speak more. With no evidence pointing to him as the killer, they release him. So this is where I thought the movie was going to take a turn, because I felt like this meant this uh, sleep paralysis support group. I was like instantaneously like the doctor's bad. Really? Because yeah, because they were kind of like, what's tying these people together? Why are they, you know, why are they, you know, being targeted by Mara? And I was like, well, they're all in the support group. Like, they all went to the support group. That's what's tying them all together. Like, that's why they're all targeted. And I was like, maybe the doctor's the bad guy, and he's like trying to study Mara, trying to study this thing, and he's using them as you know guinea pigs or whatever. Like, that's where I. I don't know. I was looking for the twist. It wasn't there, but that's, <laughs> so it was I, I not was, there. I was, tr- I was trying to. I didn't even pick up on the twist that wasn't there. So that's yeah. how good I was doing. But yeah, <laughs> I just um, assumed that because she said it was like an AA type group, that it was some sort of not only were we doing sleep paralysis, but they were there all there for some sort of grief type thing. And that's what was kind of causing the paralysis. So I didn't pick up on the. He might be evil. He was too baby faced, I think, for that. Yeah, I don't know. I just. That would have been a good twist. Yeah, I was just trying to find something, I guess. Because it's we- I mean, it's weird that uh, Dougie, who of course has his hood over his, his face the entire time until he gets up and starts, you know, freaking out. But I like how the doctor doesn't do anything. He lets him freak out, lets him like, you know, I don't want to say accost the other people, but basically. And he just storms out and the doctor's like, hey, guys, sorry, guys, you okay? Like, that's what he does. And you're like, all right, dude, like, wait a man up there, doc. Yeah, I honestly thought Saul was blind for like all of that until they ripped his thing his sunglasses off and then showed his eyes and i was like oh okay i guess we're hiding it gets worse the red mark gets worse yeah i guess you know the the funny thing about the eyes is i felt like there was i mean generally they went from being good to being worse but they also sort of fluctuated i felt like like i felt like sometimes they were all red and then sometimes it went back to kind of partially red then it was like back to all red and like they didn't sleep in between so why did their eyes kind of change Maybe there's some pattern there that I didn't pick up on, but... What were they using? The um, Visine? Not Visine? Is it Visine? Visine. Yeah, maybe that was helping with the red eye. <laughs> I guess, yeah. But I mean, she went back and forth and later in the she movie, did, it yeah. seemed Dougie like... did, too, I thought. And Dougie did, too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I thought the name Dougie was a little... I don't know. Like, couldn't we just call him Doug? <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, the man's 37, yes. apparently. They made um, that very clear. Very clear. 37. And yeah, Dougie. Now, I associate the name Dougie with uh, Twin Peaks Season 3 oh. um, because one version of Dale Cooper is Dougie. So um, I associate it with that, which is not, a, in my opinion, a good a, a good association. But this Dougie actually was pretty cool. And the, one, the other actor I felt like actually kind of held some things down for this movie. I thought he was probably the best actor in the movie. Yeah, I think Dougie was my my favorite actor as well. Like he definitely was very dynamic. He played off his uh, belt downs, I guess, if you want to call it yeah. pretty well. 
you didn't feel like it was fake or overly done because you get that he's not sleeping. Yeah, and and I felt like he was generally intelligent and smart about how he as a character was playing against the other characters like he was smart to tell the cops like i'm not talking to you but he gave him information like he wasn't crazy like helena came off as being like crazy right right and like she was losing it and i didn't think the actress did a terribly good job of that in some of the scenes i, I don't know it was my my feeling but um but like i kind of didn't I don't know. I didn't buy it, I guess. What about with... I felt like I bought her reaction when the daughter was being taken away because it was very raw. Oh, boy. Here we go. Did you do you disagree? No, no, no. I, I, I don't disagree with her raw um, acting. I disagree with the idea that it would have went down like that at all. Like the idea that those guys walk in and her and her daughter are alone and the psychiatrist or psychologist is the only person there and they're like, we have to take her. And it's like, that would not go down that way. That's true. But like, like the, to be separated from your kid, I would probably react. No, no. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying how she's reacting, but it was yeah. like, oh, the whole the way the scene was kind of constructed was over the top and sort of unrealistic to me. Yeah, I mean, she's like, true. she's holding onto the door jam and they're like pulling her away. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> the teddy boy. bear rips. I'm like, oh. oh, yeah, the teddy bear rips. I mean, every, I'm like, every kind of weird trope you can throw in there. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, let's just, you know. And of course, the, the, uh, what's her face? Kate Fuller is like, you know, you know, trying to act <laughs> in the, the yeah. tears or whatever yeah. she's trying to do there. That is true. So. I thought Saul's death was pretty cool. But I didn't really understand. Was he just trying to, like, so was he just trying to fix it, like, kill himself before he gets attacked? Yeah, I guess. I mean, once again, like, yeah, out of left field, Saul is some sort of, like, super religious guy. I mean, he did say Satan, like, but somehow, like, you didn't get enough of his character that when he shows up at a church and he's, like, basically, like, ready to light himself on fire for God or whatever, for absolution or to get away from Marl. I mean, a combination of things I don't know. It felt out of place in the rest of a movie that really didn't have any religiosity to it. Um, Yeah, the only thing I can think of is like if he realizes that he's feeling guilty over something, maybe that's why he went to that direction. But you didn't know that at the time in the movie. No. But the whole, I'm, oh, when he started pouring himself with the gasoline, like I was like, okay. But then when he started to drink it, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I thought? What do you think? So I recently, I'm repairing my lawnmower, and I bought a second gas can. And I was looking at his gas can and be like, I think that's the exact same gas can I just bought. (laughs) Like the neck of the gas, the the plastic gas can. Yeah, anyway. And how much was it, Ray? How much was it? I think it was like 15 or $19. I think it was. Did you you buy it at Lowe's or? I did buy it at Lowe's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Little plug in there. Yeah. In case you need a gas can. There you go. It's, you know, it is coming. (laughs) <laughs> lawn mowing season i know coming. i know it is it's a, it's it's been it was beautiful today and you know we'll probably be cutting the grass here soon if i can get my mower running <laughs> good luck i know right so this is also where kate goes and visits helena in the mental mental institution and basically monologues this whole thing at her about her past and her mom and schizophrenia and all this stuff and i felt like that scene once again i just i don't think the scenes are either well written or well directed or well acted i can't figure out what combination of those things is weighs on me more um but just i wasn't buying it it was bad oh i guess like and i agree with you i'm not saying i don't agree with you but my perspective is with how slow they went with some of the scenes 
that when they finally started to act, I was like, all right, we're picking up the pace here. Good. (laughs) So I think I just like forgave some of the bad acting in order for us to get through the movie. After naming Dougie the prime suspect, Kate goes to have Helena released from the institution only to find her dead, her eyes completely red. Later, while taking a bath, Kate falls asleep and again awakens in sleep paralysis where she is confronted by Mara. Once again, she regains mobility. She checks herself in the mirror, finding a red mark in her left eye. The next day, she watches the video footage of Helena's death. During the video, the picture appears to glitch and a dark figure is shown on top of Helena, strangling her as she dies. Wanting to find out more about Mara, Kate goes to visit Dougie. After gaining his trust by showing the mark in her eye, Dougie, whose left eye has turned completely red, explains Mara's history and her recorded deaths, and that her cycle begins following a tragedy. He points that she appears in stages. One, you're paralyzed and you see her. Two, she marks you. Three, physical contact. She appears and places her hands around your neck. Four, you see her when you're awake, and if you fall asleep after the fourth stage, you'll die. He also explains that Mara only appears when someone is in deep sleep, thus he only sleeps in brief intervals, keeping alarms and blaring music on in his house. So I thought that the death scene with Helena, because you get to see it before she sees the tape, or maybe you only see her face. So you you see her face, and I think it mimics the dad, and then later on you see the tape. That was really, like, the way her body was jerking was pretty cool. Yeah. But then it was like... All of a sudden, she's this computer expert and can slow the film down and like do all this stuff in order to see the demon. I don't know. Yeah. I felt like that was. I know. I just went with it. They they have to they have to show you something, I guess. But I will say, you know, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, what this movie does well is it does the sort of scary parts well. Right. Um, it does Mara pretty well. It, you know, the the contort contorted bodies and the broken necks and the way that the the faces look are, are generally pretty horrible. I really enjoyed the bath scene. I would have enjoyed the bath scene more. If you had seen other parts, but <laughs> less Mara, something. more Olga. Yeah, more Olga, maybe. <laughs> Was this the bath scene where she? The, it's the shower curtain? Yep. Yeah. Oh. So, like, I really think that as you get more of a visual on Mara, you get more of the sounds that she, I'm assuming it's a female demon, if they have gender. Sure. Who knows? Uh, the sounds that Mara makes. So, she's very thin and bony but makes this heavy thudding sound as she walks. So it's like deceivingly heavy of a, of a mm-hmm, demon. Mm-hmm. And then it's like bones cracking Yeah, or bones something. cracking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so creepy. And then you see the – it almost reminded me of the Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy Krueger comes through the, the wall part. Yep, yep. Where she's kind of going through the shower curtain and you can kind of see her form a little bit more. I can't imagine – like, first of all, I'm sure Anne would agree. You're in the bathtub and, like, such a bad moment to fall asleep. Like, why would you go in there while you're tired? Because there's drowning possibilities. Sure, yeah. And then when you wake up and you're paralyzed, I'd be terrified. What this movie has working for it is the whole paralysis angle, right? It is scary. It would be scary to wake up and be paralyzed. It would be scary to think something was in your room and not be able to understand what it was or move to react to it. And in the bathtub, it would be scary just because you don't know if you're going to drown. I mean, she does actually slide down. I mean, her nose gets very close to the water. Yeah, I was panicking a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. I also thought that it was interesting, having done The Hill House as our companion podcast and how the girl in that one also has sleep paralysis, is that they are very similar in their reactions. Like, there wasn't one where I was like, oh, well, Hill House did it this way and you're doing it this way. So they must have really studied it, and I thought that they did a really good job portraying it if that's actually how it looks. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't have sleep paralysis, so I don't know how it well, works. Well, 40% of people get it, so you better watch out. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it's <laughs> probably get it once in their life or something like that or experience it once in their life versus like have it chronically. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't know what pop, part of the population has it chronically. Yeah, I, that would be an interesting statistic to know. Not that I ever want to go through that, but I no, guess no, that yeah. was interesting to see that half the, like, I've never heard anybody talk about it, but I half know. of the population almost has it. Yeah. Has experienced it. So she goes and finds Dougie. And this is where you get like Dougie's home and all his papers he's got all over the place. And he's kind of giving you the explanation of Mara and everything that he's come up with so far. Because he and the gentleman who died at the beginning were doing research on on Mara. Yeah, so you got your stages, right? And this kind of goes with the whole eye thing. You know, like kind of getting more tired and marking you and then your eyes getting worse. Although it kind of goes back and forth. I... I, I I, I want to say I think they stuck to this pretty much in the movie, but there was a couple instances where I was like, uh, "You die after you go to sleep after you see her," I guess. But also, I don't, I don't know. It was some parts of that that I was confused about. I agree. I'm with you on that one. I didn't think that it necessarily worked that way with some people, and yeah, then like Helena specifically, like how did she yeah. go from her eye just being marked to like being dead the next night? She went yeah. through all those stages all at once. I was it was weird to me. Right, and I just thought that uh, I, some people seem to have had been marked for a while versus other people were marked and then immediately gone. No, it's true. Now, at least in Dougie's case, he explains it, which is like he never reached the stage where she was seeing her in daylight or in the day and waking you know he was like i already know what that stage is i'm gonna wake myself up before she can come get me right right, before it's deep sleep afterwards she goes to talk to dr ellis who disbelieves in the mara legend and instead gives the supposed evidence rational explanations he also explains that sleep paralysis demons can appear based on the culture around the person later that night dougie's generator dies stopping his alarm clocks at the same time, Kate enters the third stage when she awakens in sleep paralysis and Mara appears and places her hands around her neck. The following day after Helena's funeral, Kate gets a call from Dougie. He's on stage four because of his generator dying. Afraid to fall asleep, he attempts to cut off his eyelids before Kate intervenes and takes him to Dr. Ellis. They keep him in a special room to be monitored and give him an anesthetic to calm him and make him sleep. Before the anesthetic kicks in, he explains that he accidentally killed innocent people while in the war. Later that night, Mara appears after Carly, who was supposed to be monitoring him, leaves and kills Dougie. Mara again puts her hands around Kate's throat, turning her left eye completely red before Dr. Ellis pulls her from the paralysis. So Dougie doesn't believe in batteries. (laughs) Okay, so we were going to talk about the same thing. This whole generator thing where, yeah, (laughs) that was the gas can. Yeah. And like, was it the same gas can that the guy killed himself with? Yeah, I don't know. It was outside the generator. Yeah, and I'm maybe. like, really? You have a gas-powered generator? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's like a shack, so he doesn't have, like, like power on the power grid. But you don't have your stuff on batteries? You don't have batteries in your alarm clocks? Wouldn't you stay with a friend who has a house that's like connected to the grid? Yeah, I get a, I get the impression he's like PTSD veteran thing something. Yeah, at that point in time though, you have a buddy to keep you awake. It's true. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, he did a good job up until you know the whole losing power. Although, I have to be honest with you, I have a generator, and depending on the load you put on it, you can fill the tank up, and it still is not going to last eight hours or whatever your you know amount of time you would be kind of quote unquote sleeping. Now, I guess maybe he's waking up every twenty minutes so he can go out and put gas in it in the middle of the night. But um, yeah, one gas can 
one generator for a whole house. It just seemed ludicrous. Like I would have had if and this is I'll just like embody Anne here. I would have had a plethora of gas cans waiting so I wouldn't have to then go to the gas station to go get more because, like, that's obviously what was going to have to happen. And if you're in the boonies, which you're assuming that you are, if you are running off of a generator. He's on some island that's yeah. full of trees. You're just like, what What were What were you thinking, buddy? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you on that one. Well, I mean, he hasn't slept in, like, a month or something like that. So I know full, he's not thinking sleep, correctly, so. but yeah. if you don't want to die, that's the one thing that I would have a stockpile of. No, it's true. I mean, although he does decide to try to cut his eyelids off, which is pretty, which was pretty gross. Can you sleep without eyelids? <laughs> That's where I was like, does this really solve your problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like you would try to shield your eyes in some way. I mean, I feel like the fact that your eyes would start to dry out would probably force you to like moisten them and put something on them like right. like you would freak out long before you like fell asleep and then then you would be tired and then you would probably fall asleep i don't know i have no idea so i my my three-year-old son has fallen asleep with his eyes open and you don't really know what's happening because he's just sitting there staring at you and you're like hello <laughs> that's freaky yeah well he does it very rarely but then i'll say hey buddy close your eyes and then he does so I guess it's like you're not fully asleep, but yeah, yeah. So you can fall asleep that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure your brain just decides it's not gonna like <laughs> interpret the visual input. I mean, it's like totally shut down. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, my kids have fallen asleep with their eyes partially open, you know, or not all the way closed, but not mm. like open. Oh yeah, yeah, no, his are open, and they kind of wander a little bit, but you could tell like they're they're kind of like dilated, so they're not really focused on anything. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if that would actually work. Yeah, I mean, to cut I, off your eyelids. Yeah, Nor do I really feel like it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it would work. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. Okay. Um, but anyway, they end up at the sleep clinic. They end up at a sleep clinic, and this is where I thought the twist was gonna come in. I was like, that di- they're gonna reveal the doctor to be bad here. This is where they're gonna get it, and nope, didn't happen. We just got the incompetent, you know, uh, monitoring woman, which I knew was gonna happen. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna go get a candy bar or a smoke or a bathroom break or something like it that. It was cigarettes. Was it cigarettes? I knew it was something. I'm like, at least make her vape. <laughs> like, isn't that what all the cool kids are doing? We're going with old-fashioned cigarettes? Yeah, everything was old-fashioned. Everyone's alarm clocks were old-fashioned. Everything was old-fashioned. Yeah, and she leaves. And then the doctor, he just, I don't know, he's just, like, like not paying attention. Yeah. And, yeah, it all it all goes south, right? Yeah, he was yawning a lot. So I was surprised he didn't just straight up fall asleep. I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing was nuts. I'm like, this um, is your job. Like, of course you're going to be up at nighttime. Yeah. Like, where's your no-dose? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was funny. It was interesting to me, though, that they showed that she could see Mara coming to kill him. Like, it was interesting because really kind of they showed that in a waking world, you don't see her. You know what I mean? And so there's this weird, like, like a shared sleep um, right. universe that exists, uh, which, which they never really explored much, but, like... It's there. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really interesting that they both, like, she could see it, but Dougie doesn't actually wake up, right? Like, he's still kind of under medication. I didn't think he actually knew what was happening. He wasn't in his sleep paralysis thing. So I thought Mara would have then noticed he's not awake and then go after her because she was going through her paralysis issue. Like, I I kind of thought you that was part of her thing was, like, to, to scare the shit out of you while she killed you. 
Yeah, I, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Mara's whole thing when we get to the end. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, because he was medicated, maybe he didn't wake up, which for him, great, because he just died right. and he didn't know what yeah. was going on. Um, and I guess it's good for Mara. She got two for one. She got to, to kill him and then go get the other chick to the next stage. Right, that's true. And, uh, you know, that was good. I mean, kind of like they were saying with all these people dying and her tragedies happening and then all these people dying at once. Like, I guess Mara was like used to you know, kind of group killings or something like that. Oh, that, I didn't even put that together because they do bring that up, which is apparently a true story, but I didn't get much details about it. After the police arrive, McCarthy and Kate get word that Sophie is also suffering from Mara, already in the fourth stage. Determined to find a way to stop Mara, Kate returns to Dougie's shack and tries to put the pieces together. She makes a graph of all the victims thus far and attempts to put together the link between them. After finding some of Dougie's war memorabilia, she begins to pull the pieces together Dougie's killing innocents in the war, Saul's causing his mother's death, Mr. Winsfield's affair, Helena blaming herself for their divorce, and Kate blaming herself for Helena's death. After a call to McCarthy, he explains that Takahashi was a chef at a primary school and caused 38 kids to die by ingesting contaminated fish, and that was the tragedy. After pinpointing that Sophie blames herself for Helena's incarceration, Kate finally discovers the link, guilt. Mara targets people overcome with guilt over things they've done. Kate attempts to drive back to the hospital to save Sophie, but crashes her car after seeing a hallucination and takes a ferry. After briefly falling asleep, Kate enters the fourth stage, both eyes completely red, and begins to see Mara while awake. After arriving at the hospital, Kate finds Sophie in sleep paralysis and attempts to wake her while simultaneously trying to keep Mara from killing her. Mara suddenly disappears and the redness disappears from Sophie's eyes, and she explains that she never blamed Kate for her mother. After deeming her safe, Kate tells her to go back to sleep before falling asleep in a nearby chair. When she awakens, she's confronted by McCarthy, who explains that Sophie will be okay. However, Kate notices the stitches on Sophie's stuffed toy are missing before being confronted by Helena, blaming Kate for her death, revealing it to be a dream and that she hasn't let go of her own guilt. Kate then awakens in sleep paralysis, and the movie ends with Mara lunging at her. So this is the kind of bringing it back at Takahashi. You know, supposedly Mara shows up when... All of these people, there's like a big tragedy and Mara shows up. And I guess the big tragedy was these 38 ki kids dying. Uh, Takahashi ended up killing them. His guilt was so great. So she's like, I guess she's been following him around as he's on the run. And finally, I don't know, he stays still long enough and meets these other people that have sleep paralysis. And she just kind of gloms on to all these people that have guilt, I guess. I thought that his story was the worst. Convenient. Yeah, here, here's the Asian man who can't serve sushi to the children. Like, I, I, like, come on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, it was convenient that, like, it was never mentioned, and then the, the detective happens to have that at, like, the tip of his yeah. kind of fingers. Like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. We figured that out. We just didn't tell you. This is where I feel like the movie, and maybe I don't understand it correctly, but this is where I feel like the movie doesn't hold to its sort of internal consistency. So... My understanding of it is that, you know, Takahashi has guilt over the kids dying. Winsfield, Winsfeld, whatever, it had an affair. Um, you have Saul and his mother. You have Dougie killing innocents in the war. You have Kate who feels guilty because she split the, the mother up and the daughter up. You have the daughter feeling guilty because she's got her mother put away. And the mother feels guilty because... Um, does the mother feel guilty? The divorce. The potential. divorce. The yeah. potential divorce. So you have all of that. But then at the last moment, it seems like it's not so much about you feeling guilt. 
Because they have the mother say, like, I, I, I still blame you for my death. Right. And you're like, wait a minute. Kate let go of her guilt, right? Like, they both let go of their, her, their guilt. And, and, like, the girl says, like, I didn't blame you. Like, it seemed like they shifted from you holding, you feeling guilty to somebody holding you responsible. Like, right. I, I got confused at the end around that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, the hallucinations things really confused me. Like, why? Like, I get you're sleep deprived. So I felt like even though you might not think that you're feeling guilty, that maybe because you're hallucinating these things and like Sophie keeps popping up or the mother or whatever, she hallucinates the mother, right? She does. Yeah. So like, that's where she says she's, I'm blaming you. I feel like that was really her guilt. She's just projecting it on because she wanted to be blamed by the mother or the daughter or whatever. Yeah, I guess, but it seems... It didn't come across right. And, and Yeah, and I guess the weird thing is, like, they had just come from that scene where, you know, her and the daughter have this cathartic moment where the daughter's like, you know, she's like, it's not your fault. The daughter's like, oh, okay, you know, I guess, I guess that's fine. And, like, it's not your fault either. And, like, I felt like, obviously, to have the ending you have, like, it has to be a trick, and then, you know, she comes at the end, and I get that. But I felt like they had to fudge their whole guilt thing to get that to really work. Yeah. And I didn't really know, like, so does she die in the end? Because every other time she's sitting on your chest and doing something. And this time it was like she bum rushed her. Or is it a possession? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, too? Yeah, I don't you know. know. Everybody wants to make their sequels. Sure. I, I think she just was like bored of walking and she just decided she was going to fly in this time. I, oh, okay. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was weird that she did levitate at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, didn't need to do it. I mean, I thought it was creepy when she came in from the room into the room and like you see the shadow on the ground first. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was all very creepy. It was all very well done. But yeah, I just like I couldn't I just couldn't get behind the whole thing. I felt like that Kate would have known whether she still felt guilt over the mother being separated from the kid and the mother's death. I felt like they very clearly sort of kind of made it sound like that the mother was still not like letting her off the hook. And I get what you're saying, which is her dream. So it's really her interpretation of what the mother would feel. But also like there's a dream demon who actually is a dream demon. So what's to say that this isn't somehow this this mother's kind of ghost or something, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it was not clear. It wasn't clear. And I will say that, you know, going back to Mara in general, it is interesting to me, though, that we don't really know whether Mara is an independently sort of conscious spirit like or demon. Like, she could be very much like the Grim Reaper. He does what he does. His job is when you die, he takes you to the other side, right? That's what he kind of does. He doesn't. It isn't a personal thing. He isn't trying to kill you. He's just doing his job. Like, Mara shows up when there's tragedy, and she gloms onto the people that are guilty, and she does her thing in stages, and she doesn't really show any free will. I feel like I I can see what you're saying, because it's not like you see any expression on Mara's face or anything to say, like, she's getting her jollies off of terrifying the living daylights out of everybody and sitting on their chest, but... It it did seem that it wasn't like I'm gonna just show up and do what I need to do. There was like a I'm gonna scare the shit out of you while I do it. 
Maybe I don't know, but is that because she thinks she is because she wants to scare you, or she just that's how she looks? Is she can't help it? Like she's just doing her thing. <laughs> like she she's old and bony, and she's crackling along because she has to kill you because you have that guilt. And and like she, even when she's like strangling people, she isn't like in your face. They never show her like in their faces, like like somehow being taking pleasure i I didn't feel like they really showed that maybe i I don't know did you feel like they they showed sort of her no they never really focus on her face i know that's what i mean i feel like you're right like you don't know but i just think that if you were just there to do a mission you wouldn't carry it out like that or putting them i don't know but i don't know i mean she literally has been doing this since the beginning it's almost like to me because she could almost be like she's like a spiritual you, you know I gotta say state of being, but like, yeah, she's, she's not necessarily evil. She's just doing what she's supposed to do. That's, that's what she does. Wild animals, like kill other wild, other animals and eat, eat them. Like they're not evil. That's what, if you're out in the woods and there's a pack of wolves and they eat you, are the wolves evil? No, they're just wolves. Wolves. That's what wolves do. Mara does whatever she does. That's my, that's, that's, I, I, I I mean, I'm I'm not bought in on that. I just think that the movie leaves it vague enough that you could be like. That this isn't really, you're right. I can see that. I just. It's not like Samara who's like, I am evil and I'm out to kill everyone I can kill. Mm -hmm. I do have some fun facts. All right. Give us the fun facts. All right. So Mara is a real demonic type. Not demonic, but malicious entity of Germanic and Slavic folklore. That does ride on people's chests while they sleep, bringing on the bad dreams. So they, it's not the same type of thing where she'll stalk you until you pass away. Yeah, so she doesn't yeah. kill you. It's more like she's the cause of bad dreams type of idea, right? S- yes. So in order to become, apparently in this folklore, it's not just one Mara. You can become a Mara. Oh, nice. So there's criteria. <laughs> criteria right. to be a Mara. Let's see. So you can be a soul of a person, alive or dead, such as a sinful woman, someone wronged, or someone who died without confession. So obviously this is very religiously based. Yep. Or if you're the seventh daughter, sucks for you. Yep, sucks to be you. (laughs) Having one's name pronounced incorrectly while being baptized, so out of your control, and I don't think that's fair. Yes, completely unfair. Having, this is my favorite. Not this particular section. Having multicolored eyes or, this is my favorite, a unibrow. Wow. I would be waxing wow. that shit. <laughs> I'm going to say like, yeah. I mean, once again, can you control that? <laughs> right. You can't help it if you're running hairy in your genetics. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, don't a lot of, wouldn't a lot of people have unibrows? Um, minus in that modern, area? modern yeah. like shaving and plucking abilities like <laughs> i would think a lot of people would have some sort of unibrow right like does this folklore work if you shave you don't know yeah know. it'd be like saying women who don't shave the women with hairy legs would could be well wouldn't most women have hairy legs if you know <laughs> you didn't shave you didn't, right. didn't have razors to shave the last criteria is not as fun but it was women who were promised to marry a man but he marries another also out of that woman's control so i don't think it's fair yeah, you would think it would be the man who ends up being the Mara. Yeah, and now I have ways to protect yourself from becoming, I guess, haunted or stalked by a Mara. Okay. All right, so drinking coffee grounds before sleeping. Yeah, that keeps you from like sleeping. Sounds like a terrible I, 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 idea. I was going to say, it's, I mean, that makes sense, yeah. Um. Now, get your nooses handy, because if you throw a piece of a noose at the demon, 
you'll be fine. Okay. I'm sure they're just hanging around. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Get your noose. Sleeping with a leather wedding belt or a scythe. Scythe? 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 Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I would go with the wedding belt. Seems less dangerous. So somebody needs to define wedding belt. Also, like, like chastity belt. I don't know, man. I don't if know. It's, if it's, a, I don't know. It's leather. It sounds like maybe I already <laughs> sleep with one and I just don't know it. So apparently, the mare. They also call it mare instead of mara, which is where we were talking about nightmare. Sure. Um, taking their hat. Apparently, they wear hats. They wear hats. They wear hats. Um, you can invite them for breakfast. <laughs> and the, all they really want, all they really want, is a breakfast. I they get it. They just want some eggs and bacon. Yeah, smearing feces on the front door. Yeah, I mean the breakfast is better. Not so I lie feel to you. like Terrifier is not going to be haunted. <laughs> yeah, you know, Terrifier isn't yeah. like a haunted by Aren't the clowns yeah. safe? And leaving a bundle of hay in your bed while going to sleep in another, because maybe that's confusing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it like a man-shaped or a woman-shaped hay, yes. hay uh, bundle? Put the snoring mu- music on yeah, exactly. so that you and can... Then uh... you just, and you go sleep in another room. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, they're easily tricked, these Maras, apparently. So now you know if you may become a Mara, and now you know how to protect yourself if you're going to be stalked by Mara. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mara's gendered generally. It sounds like women yeah. have a, have a, the Mara a syndrome bit, thing yeah. going on. So that sucks for us. Yeah. I mean, I guess guys <laughs> in the unibrow thing, I suppose, could be gender neutral, but. Yeah, I feel like they're, I feel bad for guys because they probably have a lot more running of the uh, unibrows than men do, or women do. I would think so, which why makes me think maybe the unibrow thing's the only woman thing too, because yeah. it would be a narrower. Yeah. Otherwise, there would be a hell of a lot of Maros in the world. You're right. Yeah. I, I mean, agree with that. I mean, granted, if it's Germanic, it might be, I mean, they're a lighter haired lighter skinned people maybe they aren't as hairy as i don't know like italians or something like that where <laughs> the unibrow is probably a little more prevalent interesting interesting theory there <laughs> yeah i don't know i i really don't i am both i am both german germanic and uh and italian so that doesn't help me either way <laughs> watch out for ray he might haunt you in your dreams I'm just kidding. He does not appear to have a unibrow, but I do not know if he shaves. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on any of that. My personal hygiene, I'll keep personal. All right. So let's move on to kill, chill, and thrill. So anybody who annoys the death out of you, you can kill them. Excellent. <laughs> anybody who you feel like it would be awesome to hang out with because they bring something to the film that strikes you, strikes your fancy, you can chill with. And then thrill is who you want to have sex with. All right, so, well, Ray, I feel like you need to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. That's fine. I'll go first. So, who would I kill? Let's see. Who would I kill? Um, uh, Honestly, I would probably kill Helena, I think. Or the main character, Kate. I'm going to save Kate for later, though. So, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna kill Helena, I think. And, um, yeah, she just, she just annoyed me. Uh, for chill, I, I'm going to chill with the detective. I mean, he seemed like the most normal person in the movie. I know that the doctor wasn't, like, evil, but he still, I don't know, had a vibe to me. I don't know what it was. So I didn't like him very much. So I'm going to chill with the detective. He seemed cool. And as far as thrill, obviously, I'm going with Olga, um, thigh gap and all that. Um, so, no, I mean, she... <laughs> this whole she, thigh gap thing. Yeah, I don't know. She's, she's, obviously, she's a model. She's beautiful, uh, you know, and all that. As long as she didn't talk, she'd be all right. She has great form and running. Totally yeah. see why. Yep. <laughs> So for my kill, I hated the grandfather. Oh, yeah. I hated the grandfather, yeah. too. We didn't talk about him, but he was just a terrible actor. Just, I don't know. I hated him. So get rid of him. <laughs> for chilling, I was going to chill with Carly because although she's stupid and smokes, she looked like fun. She did. Yeah. It's true. 
and thrilling. I, uh, Dr. Ellis, I guess. Clearly not Dougie, because it's despite the fact that they say he's 37, there is no way in Sam's hell that man is 37 years old. <laughs> yeah, I am a couple years older than Dougie, and... Oh, boy. I I was like, do I look older than I that guy? I ran to the mirror. I was like, because I am 37. I was like, holy crap. How bad do I look? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dougie obviously had, you know, a hard time in the war, I think. But. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He might have hit the bottle or some other drugs type thing to, to look like that. But yeah. anyway, so I was going to go do the Dr. Ellis. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you got to do what you have to do. I got to do Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's no scat man with his ladies or anything uh, like in The Shining. So, all right. Well, um, now that we're through uh, Kill, Chill, and Thrill uh, and we've reviewed the movie, let's rate it. So only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. The first is technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. The next is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And finally, third is enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much do you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Now, our rating scale goes from 1 to 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. So, Helen, let's start with you. Oh, so for technical, I gave it a 5. I... I'm only really basing this on the Mara character. I thought that the sounds and the effects of how she scared were really, really good. That's the only good thing about this movie. For impact, oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I guess a three. The scary parts were scary, but they were so few and far between, and it was really slow moving to get to them, so I was disappointed in that. I would have rather have had a faster-paced movie to get to those jump scares or more jump scares throughout it um, to make it more impactful to me and for enjoyment. And I gave it a three. I don't think I need to see this again. I don't think it's going to give me any added value. Like it was okay. Like I don't, I don't even want to say it was okay. It was subpar, but not the worst. I, I would generally agree with that sentiment. Um, so for technical composition, I gave it a four. Uh, I agree completely with completely with what you said the only really redeeming quality in this movie from the technical aspect is the mara scariness the shots that are trying to scare you are good the fact that they could use the sleep paralysis and the eyes kind of jerking back and forth as the, as like kate fuller couldn't move i mean i thought that was all great and the sounds associated with her were good i thought overall the music wasn't great other than that um and i, I mean i've gone on the acting and the directing and the script really I, I didn't i didn't enjoy that much as far as impact i agree with the three i gave it a three as well the scary parts were kind of scary and the rest of it eh. and then for enjoyment i gave it a two i i don't really think i would watch this movie again and i don't think i would recommend it uh, to anybody it really is not that good of a movie it isn't the worst movie i've ever seen uh it it is perfectly serviceable i guess if you don't have any other options, but there are other movies that do what this movie tries to do much better. Agreed. Okay, so I have tabulated the scores since Anne is out. And Helen, you gave this movie a 3.67, and I gave this movie a straight-up 3. And if you average all those scores together, uh, this movie comes in at a 3.33, 
which is out of the 20-some movies that we have reviewed so far, the lowest-rated movie, worse than the old lowest-rated movie, 13 Ghosts, <laughs> and then Evil Dead 2, which I know some oh, listeners yeah, probably just uh, just hate us for. But, but uh, yep, so we have a new bottom of the hill, not a new top of the hill. Somebody's got to be at the bottom. Somebody's got to be the bottom. You're right. <laughs> All right, well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience, rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout out to tell us how we're doing or to suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I am your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-host, Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.